Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Isaiah 45 and verse number 2. I want to hasten on tonight. The Bible says, I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break into pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by name, am the God of Israel. I don't pretend to know how this is going to go. I feel like I've got a small amount of voice left if the Lord doesn't touch me. I'm going to do my absolute best tonight. I want to minister to you on this subject. He knows my name. He knows... Why don't you turn to your neighbor tonight and look at him and say, He knows your name. He knows your name. Look at your other neighbor tonight and tell him He knows you too. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You can be seated. How interesting it is to be put in a position to wonder if someone knows who you are or not. There's a certain euphoria or a certain feeling that comes with finally recognizing that someone you either when you are in a dating posture, someone that you're interested in, or if it's someone that you look up to, you find out that they know who you are. I remember the first time that, and I won't tell too many 11 and 12-year-old stories of my former self tonight, because there are people present among us that like to tell their own versions, and that's okay. But uh, I can remember still the day that my wife, I think our, our very first real interaction with each other involved shaving cream on a Friday afternoon at camp meeting. And I believe it was 1986, and we were all chasing each other around. It was legal, all right? This was a time of, of, of water fight and... Shaving cream. I don't know if they still do shaving cream or not. That might offend someone's sensitivities today. But we used to get the menthol out and whatever we could do. You know, the Barbasol. That's that's the best kind of stuff right there. Oh, that's shaving cream. That is shaving cream. Yeah, that's right. So we were we were doing all kinds of stuff, and I can still remember what it felt like when. I heard her call my name for the first time, and I didn't know she knew what my name was. Brother Josh, I was kind of like, hmm. 
That kind of felt good. Isaiah begins by letting us know that it is God that will prepare the way for our path in life. And he does so by going before us. We should understand today from the word of God that whether we go with God or whether we go without God, you're going to find crooked places in your walk of life. And I, excuse me. That. I feel like it's a thousand degrees in here right now. <clears throat> I don't want to rehearse what I said this morning, but coming to church, if I could just kind of rehearse this one statement again, coming to church in and of itself does not settle all your problems. And, and I think we would do ourselves well in our Christian walk to understand that just because you have problems does not mean you have sin in your life. All right? I, I want to help somebody tonight. I understand that sin is a separator, but every problem we go through in life does not indicate sin. Sometimes it just indicates your human flesh, and you're going to go through a valley. I, 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 got, I, got, I got to temper myself or I'm going to lose my voice real early. When I wake up in the morning, some of you that know me well, or if you've ever traveled with me, you probably know my protocol. Yes, Lord? He knows my name. Thank God. When I wake up in the morning, Bishop, you know this. I don't say a whole lot. There's just not a whole lot to be said. Anything that needs to be said can probably wait for a while. It's not necessary right now. And if you expect me to get where I'm going... Just play like Moses and part the waters a little bit. Give me some room. My wife, on the other hand, we can set an alarm. If we've got an early morning flight, we can set an alarm for 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And when that alarm goes off, let me tell you how this goes down. When the alarm goes off, by the time she, she, she reaches over and she turns the alarm off, when her feet hit the floor, she's dressed. And by the time she's taken her second step, she's going. <laughs> and old bear just has rolled over. My toes aren't even out from under the covers yet. And she's whistling song and dance. I'm telling you tonight, there's going to be some crooked places. And not every day when you wake up are your feet going to hit the floor singing. Now, it does happen to me on occasion. It's about once a year and it's called vacation. When I'm getting paid to not go to work, I'm waking up crisp and let's go. And I even love my job, but Lord have mercy. Routine sets in and something just happens. Well, maybe there's a message in that too. Routine sets in and something happens. We need to be careful tonight. 
But I want you to, I want you to be encouraged tonight. I want you to understand that, that crooked places are going to happen. However, the idea here, when, when, we, when we read the prophet's writing, that he would go before us and make the crooked places straight, the idea is that God will take away everything that is in front of us that is trying to delay or come against our victory march. Amen. So don't stop marching. Don't stop reaching towards your victory. God, who is above all, that is found in the heaven of heavens, will with certainty come against your enemy and come against anything that tries to stand between you and the victory that God has established for your life. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're walking through valley tonight, let me tell you, victory is certain. And victory is sure as long as you don't give up because you serve a God tonight who is standing between you and your enemy. And you serve a God tonight that is parting the waters and the waves. And he's saying, just march a little longer. Just step a little further because I, the Lord, will remove the crooked places. <clears throat> there are crooked places in your path toward victory. But the Bible tells us that God will make them straight. And in doing so, he will take every hill and he will take every mountain and he will level them out as though there were never a valley. If you're walking through the valley tonight and you're discouraged and you're wondering if God's ever going to help you out or not, just stop looking at the valley and start watching the mountain get just a little bit smaller. Amen. Maybe we need to take our eyes of where we're at and start looking on the horizon to what God's about to do because God knows where you're at and God knows how to help you. All he asks is that you not give up on him. I am afraid tonight that if our eyes could be opened spiritually, sometimes we would find ourselves one foot away from the finish line when we stop. We're so close. We're so close, but yet so far away. He will allow you to keep walking. He'll allow you to keep running tonight. He'll allow you to keep on your journey toward your victory. In going before us, God may sometimes appear to be right in front of us. He may sometimes appear as though He is so far from us that we cannot see Him. If you remember sometimes, I told you this morning, I don't always feel God. And you know something that made me feel really good about that one time? And I don't remember who said it. But uh, even after having been raised in church all of my life, a few years ago, several years ago now, I heard someone say something because it, it, was, it had to do with the subject matter of laying hands on people and praying for them. And how sometimes we lay hands on someone, and when you lay hands on someone, you don't feel anything. And that used to trouble me because I, I expected that if God was going to move when I laid hands on someone that I would connect with them and I would feel that. But I, I don't remember who it was, but some, it may have been at a camp meeting or a conference, but somebody said, God don't need you to feel anything because all you are is the conduit for him to work. The, the power is in his name, not in your hand. So that was a lesson learned for me that I may not always feel something. But I'm not serving him today because of a feeling. I appreciate the feeling. I like the fact that I serve a God who's alive and not dead that I can feel. 
But I don't base everything in my walk with God only on that feeling because there are days I don't feel Him. So regardless of God's position, whether He's right in front of us, right beside us, or so far off in the horizon that I can barely see His silhouette, if He said He would do it, He will do it. But we live in such a microwave society that if he hasn't done it by the time I've elected he should do it, we give up. And again, I want to be encouraging tonight. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to be discouraging. I want, I want to encourage you tonight. Don't give up. Keep walking. If walking's all you can do, walk. If you can run, run. But if walking's all you can do, walk. For crying out loud, drag yourself if you have to. But get yourself in a forward momentum because your enemy is only waiting on you to stop. But in the book of Luke chapter 1 and verse number 37, the Bible says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. I think that's where we mess up, Bishop. Is we think whenever the Bible says that nothing's going to hurt me, that that means everything's going to be easy and all right. That does not mean there's not going to be obstacles. <clears throat> last weekend, I made a brief reference to my surgery last August. I'll make another brief reference. I'm not going to focus on it too much. But I want, I want you to understand something. We went in that morning, went through the check-in for what was supposed to be an outpatient procedure. We're in the check-in, Bishop, and in that little curtain area room, it's not really a room, but a little curtain area, I'm sitting there. They've given me some, some pre-surgery medication. Hopefully some relaxing agent was in it. I, I was feeling all right. My wife was to my immediate left. My pastor was sitting right next to her. We were just having small talk. The doctor comes in and talks. He asked me how I'm doing. I asked him how he was doing. In that moment, I was a little more worried about him than I was me. He, he smiled and he said, I understand. I've never heard that before. Well, I'm praying for you, Doc. He said, we'll be back in a few minutes to get you. Whenever he left, Pastor leaned up. He said, okay, let's pray. And we prayed. I felt God. That wasn't an overwhelming gush of five-gallon water, just But I felt him. I recognized him. I want you to understand something, because this was impactful for me. It may not mean anything to you, and if it doesn't, just give me an old nod. Brother Heath Trout, the last words I said in that prayer, I don't even know if my wife or pastor heard it or not, but the last words I said, Lord, I trust you. I really didn't think anything about it too much. But I meant it. I trust you. The context of that statement took on new meaning 
when I awoke that afternoon to find out that I almost didn't come back. And what do you think nothing do but our adversary, what do you think he whispered in my ear that day sitting in ICU? Look what trust in him got you. Don't think he didn't try. I'm sitting there. My wife's not even in the room yet. I'm sitting there by myself, and, 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 and I, I hear him saying, see what trust got you? There's going to be problems. We have, why are you focusing on problems so much today? Because in our Christian walk, we have to learn how to deal with problems and still stay saved. We cannot afford to predicate our salvation on God delivering us from everything. When I wake up, I hurt. When I walk, sometimes I have pain. When I go to bed, sometimes I've got a headache. When, I, when I'm at work, there's troubles. And there's trouble on this hand. And there's stress on this hand. And there's mental anguish and stress and anxiety. Sometimes my stomach gets upset. And sometimes I don't like what's going on. There are problems in life that have absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. So God has empowered each and every one of us with the necessities that are absolute for victory and revival. Every person here tonight has something to contribute to the kingdom of God, even those of you that say to yourself quietly right now, not me. Something. I don't pretend to know what it is. Don't come and ask me what God's will for your life is. It's too hard for me to find that out for myself. But I'm telling you, there is something in the kingdom of God for you to do. And you may not realize the scope of what God wants you to do yet. That's okay. But Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, plan of God is so great tonight that sometimes we can't even think about what God wants us to do. I continued to sit in that hospital room overnight and one scripture kept rolling through my mind. I've preached on it a few times on occasion since then, but Jeremiah 29 11 just kept rolling through my mind. I know the thoughts I have to you, saith the Lord. In another, in another version it's written, I know the plans I have for you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know, that's fine, but the God you serve knows what he wants you to do. And if you'll hold on and trust him a little longer and just keep walking, he knows you by name tonight. He's got plan oh hallelujah he's got plans for you and he's decided what he wants you to do all he's waiting on is you if you'll just realize tonight he has it in his plan and that he will go before you and that he will make every crooked way straight somebody lift your hands and just thank him right now say god i need you to make the crooked way straight Hallelujah. <laughs> Philippians 1 and 6 says being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? That means he's not giving up on you. 
That means when you've given up on yourself, that means when you've written yourself off, God's still got a blank check written for you with his name on it. He's not given up. He signed it over to you. He's got things for you to do. He knows what you need to do. And more often than not, God is going to take some of the things that you're uncomfortable with and he wants to make that something that you can use for him. Look at Moses. Moses was, not un, was a man not unlike some of you ladies and gentlemen tonight. Moses was a man who, for, forget, about, for, forget about his prince upbringing, forget about all of that. After that, when he decided that he was going to suffer with the children of Israel rather than to enjoy the riches of the world. That was, that was really, in a certain manner of speaking, that was a salvation step. That wasn't, he, he wasn't in a leadership posture yet. That was just Moses. That was just Moses saying, I, I'm, I'm choosing to do this for myself. This is my family. This is where I need to be. I'm a Hebrew. But watch what happens. Fast forward. You know the story. God calls Moses to be the man that would represent Israel before Pharaoh. Now, I, I, I've not come tonight to play Dr. Phil. I don't pretend to have everybody's problems figured out. But let me tell you what some of your problems are. All right, And I, I want to do this in as unconfrontational as a way as I possibly can. But let me tell you what some of your problems are. You want to be used by God, but you want to tell God what you'll do. Moses says, now Moses is not a young man anymore. I digress just for a moment. He wasn't old either. He's in his early 40s. He's a good man. Kind of the prime of his life, right age. Some of y'all get that by Friday. <laughs> Moses, I want you to go before Pharaoh and I want you to tell him, let my people go. And God, and Moses says, God, I think you've got... The, 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 the wrong man. I'm not making fun tonight. I'm illustrating. Moses couldn't speak. Now to the natural man, the natural man is probably looking, if he was a bystander, the natural man's probably looking on the side saying, oh God, I think you just messed up. You should have called Aaron. He can talk. Am I right? But God said, no, 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 no. Moses, I'm paraphrasing tonight. This isn't even in my notes. Moses, you go. I'll speak for you. Oh, there may not be any other feeling in this house, but I feel something special right here, right now. Moses, you go. I'll take care of you. Some of you that want to do something for God, but you want to tell God the conditions on which you're going to do it, 
God is tonight just giving you a gentle prod saying, "Uh uh-uh, I got your plans already. What he's looking for is submission. What he's looking for is obedience. What he's looking for is in spite of your idea. Hear me now. Because what we can also deduce from Moses and Aaron, this situation with Moses and God calling him to speak, is the the bystanders, the people around would say, oh no, give us Aaron because he can talk, he's eloquent, he's this and he's that. And Aaron did have an important place in the kingdom of God. Don't, Don't misunderstand me. But you need to be careful who you're listening to. Because the people around you, if you're not talking to the right people, people will persuade you that you can't do what God's called you to do. If Moses had had a Job's comforter, they would have been telling him, Moses, you can't talk. How are you going to get up in front of 70 elders and 3 million people and tell them what, what to do? You can't talk your way out of a wet paper bag. And then before you know it, you know I'm right tonight. Before you know it, Moses would have been saying, God, I can't do it. He's already doing a good enough job of that on his own. You put the power of people behind him, he'd be telling God, no. And then we may have never had an exodus. So, well, God would have called somebody else. I don't know that. I'd like to think that, but I don't know that. Because God designed that for Moses to be the one to bring him out. What are you saying? I'm saying tonight that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it. But he's only going to perform it unless you do. As our pastor often says, God is a gentleman. He's not going to make you do anything. But he is going to remind you at opportune times of what he has called you to do. Once he starts something in your life, he's not going to stop until he's finished. The road you're on may change. The direction may take different course. The conditions may look different. The sun may not shine as bright every day. But the only way that that work will falter is if you stop. Because the Lord has already set a work in your life. And He will keep it going tonight. And He will keep it going until He's satisfied with the work that you've done. You say, but I'm tired. God says, just keep going. He'll be your strength. You can't afford to quit now. Hold on a little longer. God's moving every mountain out of the way. He's flattening the mountain out so that you can't even tell you ever had a valley. (coughs) Time. Time causes fear sometimes. You know you can have too much time on your hands. When I was unemployed, man, I, I come up with all kinds of things. Things that I thought would happen, could happen, should happen. Because all I had time to do was think. I'd think myself into a frenzy. Time causes fear sometimes especially whenever seeing our answers take longer than we want it to take. Isaiah 44 and verse number 8 says, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. And then he says, Fear not! Fear not, neither be afraid. If Jesus said it, what we really need to learn how to do 
is follow it. Isaiah 46 and verse number 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God declares the end from the beginning. He knows what you're going to go through. He knows what he wants the expected end to be. He knows the end from the beginning, and he's not going to put more on you. I know there's not a scripture that actually is worded this way. We quote it incorrectly sometimes, but the meaning is there. He will not put more on you than what you can bear. (coughs) We can be glad tonight that the Lord is in control. Aren't you glad tonight that God is in control? Amen. Would you lift your hands with me one more time and just thank Him for being in control tonight? He's in control. And when He's in control, everything's going to be all right. When He's in control, I can take faith and promise in tomorrow. I don't have to worry about waking up so much when I know He's in control. I don't have to worry about going to bed when I know he's in control. Amen. Psalms 144 and verse number 15 says, Happy is that people, the last part of that verse, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes, happiness is a choice. It's a frame of mind. It's a state of reference. Now, I I am not one of these guys that thinks that you can just think positive and all your problems disappear. But there is power in your thinking. The Bible even supports this. I'll give you scripture. Out of Proverbs, for as a man thinketh in his heart, So is he. So it's important for us to understand today who he is, what he wants from us. So Brother Mason, I really really sincerely don't know what God wants from me. That's fine, because we've all been there. And at 44 years of age, by the time I'm 54, I may be ready for another season or chapter. I may not know what God wants from me, because life is full of chapters and seasons. And what he has you doing today, he may not have you doing forever. And that's okay. But if you don't know what it is, that's okay too. But don't stop doing what you are doing till you find out. Keep walking. Keep loving. Keep praising. You've heard me say it before. I apologize for sounding so much like a broke record tonight. But if you don't know... If if you don't know what you should do, don't stop doing what you are doing. Because once you stop, life will fill that opportunity with something else. I promise you, it is the law of life. It's just what happens. And if it didn't happen in 1950, it sure happens in 2019. There's not a one of us tonight that really probably lack for anything to do. 
I told someone recently, I said, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of jealous to a certain degree. I'm kind of jealous of the executive management positions of the 1970s and 80s. He just kind of looked at me confused. I said, why? I said, because they didn't have three to 500 emails to answer a day. If they had to communicate, and I'm not making that number up, I promise you. If they had to communicate, they had a secretary that they would dictate a memo to and they would send a memo. Now, how many of those things you think got sent a day? 10, 20, maybe 30 on a heavy day? And that's if she could type that much? That kind of sounds good. I mean, I could get all kinds of stuff done. You're not going to lack for things to do in this society that we live in. So it's important for us to know what God wants you to do because you need to learn how to prioritize God into your life. Hear me tonight. Prioritizing God in the church is not going to come natural. I believe, Bishop, that may have been why Psalmist David led us by example by saying to his family, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I think he was leading us by example. He was ahead of his times in that moment by letting us know we have to make a conscious decision. You need to decide on Saturdays you're coming to church on Sunday. If you struggle with coming to church, decide the day before. Don't wait till you wake up to see if you feel like it. You'll never show up. Because if I'm going to be honest and transparent with you this evening, when I come to church, there's not a time I feel like it. Is that all right to say? In my, I don't feel like it. In my flesh, I may have a spirit yearning that says, your flesh needs it. You need to get there. But if you're struggling, you, you, you can get to a place that is kind of on autopilot. You just know church is something we do when you've built it into your life. But if you're struggling to build that into your life, you need to make conscious decisions. You need to lay your clothes out on a Saturday night and, and hold yourself accountable saying, I'm going to church tomorrow. Because if I can get in his presence, I know everything will be all right. Jesus said in John chapter 14, John chapter 14 and verse number 17, he said, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not. This is important tonight. We can't, we can't glaze over this like it's just a poem. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Jesus is knowing it's not many days after that he's going to be crucified and he's going to resurrect and he's sending something back to us. He didn't leave us comfortless. He gave us the Holy Ghost. And he went away. Not to get away from us, but that he might live in us. 
So to really know the Lord, you must first repent. We should know this by now. And then continue on, we must be baptized in Jesus' name. And then we need to receive. You should consider it in your life mandatory to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There should not be an option. If the Spirit of God dwell in you, isn't that how it's worded? If that same Spirit dwell in you, He shall quicken your mortal body. That's a prelude to the rapture. It's a prelude to the calling away of the church. If that Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, thank you, Bishop, dwell in you. If that Spirit, if that, are, are, you, are you catching me now? If, now you have to logically deduce what happens if it doesn't. So you need to, you need to consider yourself tonight that Acts chapter 2 and verse, verse number 38 is not optional. We don't believe in partial birth around here. And if you're going to get born again, it's got to be the Bible way. And it's got to be through the water and of the Spirit. You cannot leave one without the other. Because it is through the power of His Spirit tonight that we know Him. And just having His Spirit rest inside of us is simply not enough. But we're not going to get any further than that without it. We must allow His presence to lead us. We must allow it to guide us. We need Him to move us. We need Him to teach us. We need Him to change us. And we need Him to be everything that we need. But He'll never be anything if you don't first have it inside of you. That we may know Him. That we may know Him. The book of Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32 says, But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. I want to know tonight, does anybody know their God today? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you know Him? Aren't you glad that you can find strength in Him? I'm glad tonight that He knows my name. I'm glad He knows my name. Through the strength of God, we can do all things. Through divine aid, victory is not only possible, but victory is certain. Stand with me if you would, please. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. God calls you by name. Everything's going to be all right. When God <laughs> when God saw Brother Mike Trout, I mentioned this morning some of those stupid things that I've done in life. When God saw 
bishop, me doing something stupid and getting into the middle of it and finding out just exactly how dumb it was and calling on his name, he must have called mine back. When God calls your name, don't be scared of it. You know the only reason why Adam was startled when God called him in the garden? It's because of sin. I told you at the onset of this message this evening that not every problem we have indicates sin. Sometimes we just have problems. So when you're in your problem, don't get startled when God calls your name. I'm glad tonight he knows my name. I wonder if you lift your hands tonight as they prepare to sing. If you lift your hands tonight and just love him and say, Jesus, I thank you that you know my name. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful. I wonder if somebody just add a little vocal praise with that right now. Just, just to, to whatever volume level you can get to. But Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm thankful for you. I'm glad you know my name tonight. I want to be part of that people that, that do know their God. I want, I want to be strong. I want to do exploits. I want to do things. God, I want to be strong in you. God, I need you. I need you. I wonder if as many people as would tonight gather around this altar together in a season of prayer and worship tonight. As many as will. As many as are willing. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to force anybody, but if you're willing tonight, I wonder if you just gather around. You can kneel, stand, whatever's, whatever works for you. But if you could just have a time of prayer, a time of praise, a time of worship and consecration to Him. God knows your name. And because God knows your name, tomorrow can be a better day. Because God knows your name. God can bless you every time you're faithful to Him and you didn't feel like it. Because you're not always going to feel like it. There are times it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. But when God knows your name, I guarantee you, when you get in worship, you're going to understand it was worth the trip. It was worth the battle. It was worth the hassle. It was worth the pain. God knows your name tonight. Let's lift our hands one more time and worship as they sing today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.